Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. This morning, uh, we're continuing in our study and the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, as uh, we are going through this, um, I think that it's helpful to think about these issues in terms of uh, a comfortable righteousness. Now, most of us, uh, we work hard on our self-image. And even as I tell you that, some of you go, oh, no, I don't care about those things at all. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Uh, you know, most of you looked in the mirror this morning. There are a couple of you who didn't, and it shows. Uh, you know who you are. Um, but uh, most of us looked in the mirror, and we said some things to ourselves. hopefully not audibly unless we live alone. And uh, if we live with others, you're freaking your family out. But uh, you said, you know, I, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I, I look okay, you know, a little touch up here and there. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't weigh as much as I could weigh, you know. I, I, you know, there's some things about me and uh, we're doctoring ourselves up. And, and we do this not just in front of the mirror, but we do it in the midst of our tasks. Uh, most of you in the morning, you have this conversation, you know, the alarm goes off or you look to the clock and you know what time it is and you say, I should get up. I should get up. Oh, but I don't want to get up. I don't know if I can get up. Oh, why even get up? And then you, once again, start from the beginning, right? I'm going to get up. I'm going to get up. I don't know. And you go through this process of coaching yourself to tell yourself that you are somehow strong enough to meet whatever happens that day. And obstacles come up against you and you say, oh, I can handle that. I'm a strong person. I, uh, I've done this before. You know, this isn't my first rodeo and I, I know, uh, what needs to be done. I'll, I'm just, I'm a, I have a lot of courage inside. So I'm going to pull myself up and I, I'm going to tackle the events of the day and I'm going to succeed. We're talking to ourselves, right? We're, we're coaching ourselves through. And this morning, uh, as we come to these passages, I want to remind you uh, that these passages don't remind us of our success, but rather of our failures. I was talking to some of you after last week, we talked about uh, the encouraging topics of divorce and uh, adultery of the heart. Uh, you know, I'm sure all of you were real encouraged. And uh and and some of you shared with me the more honest ones. And uh, one young man said to me, he says, uh, "Where was the grace? Like I, I didn't I didn't get the grace. And you know where where was it found?" And and I want to I want to answer that this morning as we look at chapter five. Um, I'll share with you. We're going to talk about today oaths and uh, retaliation and. Um, as we look at those, I, I want to just review the last two sections on lust and divorce. And I want to tell you that where the grace is found, grace is found for the guilty. It always is. Uh, it, it's the one who says, I have failed. And, and it's me. It's not because of uh, my circumstances or because of uh, the situation. Especially when I think of the issues of divorce, it's easy to say it was their fault. It was their fault. 
And the reality is, let me say this clearly this morning so you get it. Every one of us who's married this morning have done things, have acted selfishly and proud that, that cause to push our spouse away. And there's a sense in which uh, they would want to leave us, and, and rightly so, because of what we have done. We have done. And so we're guilty. And so you say, well, that makes me feel awful. It's the reality. It's the reality. Guilt is the reality. But grace is the cure. The grace in a new king, Jesus Christ. I also want to tell you, so, you know, if you feel guilty, um, there's grace for you. Uh, If you're self-righteous, you know what you get? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. Emptiness. More things to do. More struggling. Because the self-righteous will never match up. People have talked about this in illustrations of, of jumping over the Grand Canyon, of saying, you know, how far can I get and all these other things. Uh, the reality is we are not concerned with a striving righteousness, most of us, but a comfortable one, a comfortable one. I'm good enough. Have you seen the other losers I'm around? I'm great compared to them. You know, what, what I did, it's, it's fine what I did. I, I, I'm a good person. And as you look in the rearview mirror, I tried. And so I'm good enough. And yet this morning, as we look at a couple of sections in this passage, chapter 5 of the book of Matthew, Jesus is not talking about a comfortable righteousness as he looks in the rearview mirror, but he defines a greater righteousness, a a more accurate righteousness. And so this morning, uh, we will be looking at, starting in verse 33, If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you 33 and going on to almost the end of the chapter. This is what God's word says. Again, you have heard that it was said uh, to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven or by the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. You have heard it uh, that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him also have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you. And do not refuse the one who wants to borrow from you. God, I ask your wisdom as we go to your word. I ask that your spirit would direct our thoughts and words. 
that we would focus on your word, uh, that we would let it have its full force in our life, uh, that we would be convicted where we need to be convicted and rejoice uh, that you have sent us a king, Jesus, the one that we can trust in. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So as we look at this, uh, um, he's going through a list of, of things that are challenging. And as the group of people are uh, initially hearing this, maybe a group this size, probably bigger, I don't know. Um, maybe the scribes and the Pharisees are there and considering themselves the authority. Um, and so Jesus is speaking. They are leaning in and they're going, this is different. And Jesus is outlining really the difference between his kingdom and the one that they are so used to. And in verse 33, he says, Again, you have heard it said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. And if you think about that, what does that mean? It means uh, that you should be able to keep your words real, that, that you should be able to be a man or a woman of your word. And is that a good thing? Some of you are a little slow this morning and I'm concerned. I'm concerned. You're not sure if it's good to tell the truth. Uh, it is. I'm glad your kids aren't in here because they'd be looking at you like, you say that all the time. Yeah, that you should be a person of your word. That you should, if you say, hey, I'm going to be there, you know, I am going to be there. I, I'm going to make a point. I may have blown it every, but this time I am going to be there. And we should perform that and in somehow in relationship to our God that he sees. And we cry out, yes, yes, of course. Yes, that, that, wouldn't the world be a great place if everyone would do that? And it's my role as making the world a better place that I would be that type of person. And we're like, yes, I will say, give them my word and I'll make a big deal out of it. And I'll reiterate and I'll say, I promise. And I will be there. I will do this. I am that person. And so our heart cries out, yes, yes. And then Jesus says, this, but I say to you, and he uses this uh, authoritative transition to a redefining and adding and, and uh, completing this righteousness. He says, let me tell you what righteousness really is. Let me give you what it is. I'm the king and I'm giving you my kingdom orders. This is what it's like. And you, you can just hear, you, you know, the hearts of the the religious leader's just cringing when he says, but I say to you. And he's saying, what, is he going to say something different than us? I thought we were the authorities. And Jesus doesn't just claim authority uh, over the way things go on down here, but authority overall. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven or by its throne of God or by the earth, for its footstool, for it is his footstool, by Jerusalem, for, the, for it is the city of the great king. Don't take oaths at all. Don't be one. You think about that. And you, uh, in our culture today, 
People say, I swear. No, seriously. No, seriously. And and you get this, this, kids do it all the time, adults do it as well. I'll be there. I'll be there on time. Be there on time. Uh, are any of you uh, people that are late quite a bit? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Just, you know, it's okay. Confession's good for the soul, you know. Some of you are a little sheepish. You're a little slow. Your spouse is looking at you like, are you going to raise your hand in church? <laughs> God knows what you're thinking right now. Um, and, and, and so sometimes you say, no, really, I'm going to be there. I'm not usually a person who can get there, but this time will be different. And so, you know, I, I swear I'll be there. I, I promise I'll be there. No, this time I'm serious. I'm serious. I will be there. And Jesus says that that's what's coming in our culture. In the culture that uh, Jesus was speaking to, they uh, made these oaths and they connected them to different things. They say, you know, by heaven, th- th- I, by heaven, this is this is true. I I say this by by Jerusalem, the wonderful city. And they, they pick different things and say, based upon, yes, I, I make this oath. And Jesus says, don't make any oaths at all. Don't make any oaths at all. And you say, well, what does that mean? Like, why is that a big deal? Jesus goes on to explain uh, why. Either by heaven, by heaven... You know, by heaven, I I make this oath. Um, Jesus says, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not yours. Heaven's not yours. It's mine. Mine and the Father's. And so for you to take an oath based upon the heavens, he says, that's not for you to do. He says, or by earth, or by earth. And and maybe... uh, as far as, you know, as, as the green grass grows, I mean this, you know. He says, wait a minute, that's mine too. That's mine too. That the heavens are not yours, nor the earth. And then they said, by Jerusalem. And he reminds them that there is a great king of Jerusalem. Undoubtedly, there's a connection to King David, uh, to the father in the Old Testament, but also to himself being the new king. And he says, these oaths, don't make them. Not by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Well, some of us uh, would point to our own character, and that is covered in the next verse there. He says, and do not take an oath by your head. Most of us think, well, it's our life. We, we you know, based upon my life, my, I'd rather die than not do this. And he says, look, you can't even make... Uh, one of your hairs, black or white. It's not talking about dyeing your hair, by the way. I just wanted to make that clear. Um, not pointing to anybody here or anything. Everyone's feeling guilty this morning. Uh, he's talking about the, you don't choose even your own life. I think that's interesting that sometimes we think, especially in our culture today, we say, well, I'm sick. I'll go to the doctor. I'll fix it. You know what? We're not in control of those things. 
I think so often we say, well, I think of the book of James where uh, a man is bragging about going to a certain city and doing a certain business. And uh, James says, you know, you, you don't even know what your life is. You're a vapor that appears for, you, you, don't, you don't have a clue of whether you're even going to be alive. Why? Because that's the issue of God. That's God's in, in control of those things. So for us to make an oath, even based upon our own life, he says, don't do that either because you, you're not even in control of your hair. <laughs> More or less your life. And so he reminds us and, and clearly challenges a common practice in culture, both in times of the Bible and today. And then he says this, these beautiful words in verse 37. He says, uh, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than that comes from evil. Now, let me ask you a question about your honesty this morning. Your honesty. Um, do you always tell the truth? Do you always tell the truth? You say, well, yeah. Yeah, for the most part. For the most part, I try to, try to be honest. No, I'm not asking about your tries and your hopes and your dreams. Are you honest all the time? Are you truthful? When you say you're going to be someplace, when you make a promise to your children or your grandchildren, do you come through? You're going, well, you know, you're kind of inside, you're feeling uncomfortable. You're saying, yeah, most of the time I try to. I, I, I pride myself on being a man of my word, a woman of my word. But there's sometimes there's things out of my control. Yeah, many times we're the people out of control, right? That we're making big promises to try to gain people's attention. We're trying to look good in the midst of other people, so we're overstating the facts. We're deceiving people because we're embarrassed of what we've done, and, 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 and we're, we're kind of getting close to the truth, but staying away. And he, he says, no, just simply say it clearly. Let your yes be yes. And yes and no, these are the answers. And as I look at this again, how does this make you feel? Where does this leave you as a person? You say, boy, I'm guilty. Guilty as charged. I'm a person who who makes big promises and I can't come through. Uh, And and the pressure to perform and to look good, I say things that maybe I don't mean. And and I, I, I sometimes try to cover it and say, no, no, really, I'm serious. I'm serious. Meaning... The rest of the time I'm talking, I'm lying, but this time's different. Seriously. And Jesus says to them, honesty is more than you just making oaths. Honesty and, and being that person who's, who's being truthful. And not truthful just to people, but truthful in light of the relationship with God. He says, you know, uh, just say yes and no. 
Let's say it how it is. Just tell the truth. We find ourselves guilty once again. Going to the next section. Uh, he says in the, uh, the way that he talks about these over and over again, he states what they already know. And then he goes on to redefine those or give a, a fuller explanation of the truth. He says this, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. What, what's the issue there? It's justice, right? Justice. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And what, when you hear that, what do you say? Yes. It's about time. There needs to be justice. Uh, do you see justice in our world today? Sometimes. A lot of times you don't, right? There's a sense, uh, especially in dealings with us, uh, we, we want there to be justice when somebody has offended us. And so we say, where is the justice? I've been trampled on. I, I've been done wrong. It should be in like kind that they have to pay. The picture of an eye for an eye is this, that if there's a, an injury that happens to me that you have caused, in like kind, you should have to suffer an eye for your eye, my tooth for your tooth. And you say, well, it, it doesn't matter. It, it's the purpose. It's the principle of it that you should have to pay in like kind to the injury that you've caused. And it seems just in our heart cries out for justice. You, you know, there's so much injustice in this world today, both uh, as we look, we, we watch in the news, we see in our, our cities and our towns, we see people uh, not paying for what they're, they're using and, and hurting people and walking away. And, and we see children taking advantage of, and we, we say, where is the justice? It should be this eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. And so our heart cries out, yes, yes. And so we look and we know it's coming. But I say to you, but I say to you, and Jesus is about ready to unload what this means. And he says, let, let me tell you, and, and let me tell you what he's doing here. He is talking about private retaliation or personal retaliation. He's talking about what happens to you. What happens to you? He's not talking about what happens in your community in the justice system. He's not talking about courts and laws and police. He's not talking about those things. He's talking about what happens when injustice happens to you personally. And so uh, he wants you to consider your private or personal retaliation. He says this in verse 39. Do not resist the one who is evil. Do not resist the one who is evil. And as I read that, I, I want to tell you, my heart cries out, no, no. I, I've been taught uh, self-preservation. 
Number one, survival of the fittest, right? Self-preservation is the thing that I cherish most. And so when somebody pushes on me, I push back. Uh, Actually, I push back hopefully stronger than they pushed on me so they get the point, right? Uh, And it says, do not resist the evil that comes on you. Do not resist the evil. You say, Jesus, you know, I, I was I was with your kingdom. You know, I understood, I, I, but I'm hearing this and I struggle with this. He says, do not resist the, evil, evil, the one who is evil. And he explains what that's going to mean for you and me. He says, uh, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn him the other also. You get that picture? Uh, If you don't get that picture, you're an only child. You never had that situation happen. And and you're like, this is hard to take. Um, The picture here is this. Hit me again. Hit me again. Go ahead. If you want to hit me once, hit me twice. Go ahead, do it again. Do it again. He he also says this, he, he in verse 40, he, he continues giving these illustrations. And if anyone uh, would sue you to take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone wants to take from you and, and, and take you to court and say, I need this from you, say, oh, do you need this? How about this as well? How about this as well? And you say, no, this doesn't make sense. The the fighter in me will not allow this to happen. Jesus says, I want to tell you, you're concerned about justice. This is the way I see justice. This is the way I see it for you. He says, go ahead, take more. And then we look at verse 41. He says this. He says, and if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. He says, hit me again. Go take take more. And then you say, well, how about one more? If you've already caused me to go one mile, how about one more? And And we're struggling right now because we're saying, where is the justice in this? Where is the justice? And I want to tell you that I think that the picture here, what Jesus is describing, is not justice in the terms that we see it, an eye for an eye, but justice in the gospel, right? What, what has he done for us? What has he done for us? How has he treated us? How has he uh, given to us where we have continued to take more and take more and take more? He pictures for us the gospel. Jesus also continues and uh, summarizes, I believe, in verse 42. He says, Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. And as I look at this, I go, I go, so basically, Jesus, what you're saying happens in our kingdom is we just get trampled and taken advantage of. 
That's how it works here, huh? You know, the, the beggar, we're supposed to, you know, go out and give to beggars, though they won't work or whatever, you know, give to them. The hard-earned work that we've done, we're supposed to give to beggars. And then these people who trash everything and, you know, can't afford to buy it themselves, they come and ask for our stuff and we're supposed to loan it to them. What happens if they break it? Tell me that, Jesus. What, what happens when my stuff gets broken? And Jesus smiles and he says, don't you think I can take care of you? Don't you think I can take care of your needs? And don't you think I know how that is? My life was taken for sinners who would trample it, who would not care, who would sin again and again and again. We cry out in our minds and we say, what do we do with those who don't deserve it? Don't deserve it. And Jesus says, give to them. Give to them. Let me sort all that stuff out, okay? I'm the king. I'm the king. I I take care of things in my kingdom. And the idea here is not to refuse. You know, it's interesting that uh, the idea of borrowing something, um, sometimes you just can't do it. You don't have it. You, you, you don't have the resources and somebody wants something. But, but the point here is not so much in the act of doing, but in the rejection of the person. That we're constantly pushing people away and we're saying, I got to protect myself from you because you're going to take advantage of me. You're going to be the one to trample on me. And Jesus says this, he says, it's not justice that we're talking about here. It's, it runs differently in my kingdom. Personal justice is taken care of by me. As we read this, um, as we find ourselves to be um, pushing people away, uh, fighting for our rights all the time. I hate to say this, but we do this in our marriage too, right? Um, When we feel like we've been taken advantage of by our spouse, we say, I'm done. I'm done. It's their turn. It's their turn to give. You give to me and then we'll see. We'll see how things work out. Well, I looked at your, uh, your checking account and you're overdrawn with me. And so until you put deposit in, we can't work this out. Jesus says, give. Jesus says, give. That's how it works in my kingdom. This morning, um, once again, uh, as we come to the end, uh, we have one more and then we'll head into chapter 6. But I, I, I want to I talk about where these sections leave us. Um, I think the best picture is they leave us as a child, as a child needing help, confused about our role, needing a new king, needing a new king. And, and this morning you say, um, I, I don't understand about what we just talked about. It just sounds too, like too much for me. I want to tell you 
that Jesus is more than enough for you and for me. We, we've sung that he would be our everything, our, our soul satisfaction. He is. He is in more. He's more than enough for all of us. And so as we come to him and he presents himself as a new king with a different kingdom, uh, we find ourselves as a small child going, I don't understand it all. I feel like a failure. I feel needy. So I'll cling to the hand of my king. This is where he leaves us this morning. If you need a a relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't have one. Today should be your day. You say, well, I don't know if I can trust him. Yes, you can. You shouldn't trust anybody else, in fact. Not even yourself. You've seen how you can mess things up. Let's pray and ask that Jesus uh, would remind us of these truths and we would find ourselves... Uh, safely in his hands, him as our king and us as his child. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for being able to be before your word. I pray that you would impress this upon our hearts, that we would see our need for you and that we would cling to the hand of the Savior. We pray in his name.